0: Information Mike. Wind at 320 degrees at 6. Temperature 5. 3. Altimeter 3000.
1: People like you. Organizations like Rape Check. I love you guys. check. Four. Five. Six. to be sound ready now. You are clear for takeoff runway 21L. Winds are calm. Stand by for the free trans on uniform. It's go time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Ramp Check Podcast. I'm Tony.
2: I'm Aaron. And I'm Ryan.
1: And we've got another special guest with us. Imagine that. Uh, <laughs> before we go any further, I'm going to let Aaron go ahead and introduce our uh, our special guest today because Aaron kind of made initial um, contact uh, with this gentleman. And uh, Aaron, go right ahead. Yeah, there we go. Well, so um, a lot of our listeners
3: and followers will be really excited that uh, we have Steve, also known as Combat Learjet. <laughs> Welcome, Steve.
4: <laughs> hey, thanks, Sarah. I appreciate it, man.
3: <laughs> so, Th- thanks for having me on. Oh yeah, we're 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 really honored. Thank you very much. Um, so, uh, pilot, uh, retired Air Force pilot, um, social media extraordinaire. <laughs> I yes. guess I, yeah. I, I, we uh, could uh, say.
1: <laughs> well. He's only got 744 followers. Oh, wait. There's a K behind that. There's um, a K. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's funny. Yeah, yeah, I was just bragging to uh, my brothers how uh, our Rampjet Global Instagram, you know, we're just what, over 6,000? Yeah,
3: it's almost seven. Almost 000, seven. And so, then
2: I was looking at uh, Combat Jets page, and I'm like, yeah, we got a little ways to go, but hey, you got to start somewhere, <laughs> right?
4: Absolutely. You know, I I will say when I first started, the algorithm was a little different. I think it was easier to grow a page Uh faster than it is now. Um, So I maybe was just lucky on timing a few years ago more than anything. So...
1: I just want to add that modesty is kind of frown upon, frowned upon here in the Ramp Check podcast. <laughs> um, all right, yeah, no,
4: it was all me then. I guess I did it all. It's been fantastic. See, poster. we right. knew,
3: we right. knew that. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, yeah. So, um, asking you, uh, Steve, what, what, well, what even got it? Like, I guess, what am I trying to say here? Let me, let me reset that question. Don't know,
1: brother. Um, yeah
3: what got you thinking uh starting combat learjet and how did that all uh come together in the beginning
4: yeah so i and i've told several people this i didn't make that name up there was somebody much smarter than i am that came up with that name and and a patch Mm -hmm. that we wore when we were deployed um so and if you've seen the patch it just has a learjet and it's got a target on it which is obviously it's a tongue-in-cheek patch so we had yeah. A target on us, and it said "unaware, unafraid," and we flew into some nasty places in Afghanistan and Iraq and other uh-huh. places, and so we we have we have no defensive system. So that was the tongue and cheek with it. So I I saw the patch. I wore the patch when I was deployed.
0: Uh-huh. Uh
4: huh. I loved it. I thought I thought it was great. And then when I got back, and I think I started a Twitter account first for a while, and okay. I thought, well, I need to come up with a handle. So I came up with a combat Learjet, and then I, I didn't stay on Twitter for long. I, I don't know. It just yeah. it wasn't necessarily for me. And, and then when I decided to start an Instagram page, um, I just kind of kicked around what some names I could use. And so I went back to the combat Learjet, and, uh, that's kind of the history of it. And then when I first started running my page, I only posted my own pictures and videos, so uh-huh. I was really proud of that at first. And then <laughs> I realized that that was that was getting boring with just the same pictures and stuff over and over. So, yeah. But that's that's kind of the history of where the name came from, and and then I I, I guess I took somebody else's great idea and, and marketed it.
3: So, <laughs> well, as so many other uh, as, as
4: as most
2: Americans do, right? Yeah, so, yeah. right. Well, if you yeah.
3: can take a product and improve it, and you know, be better yeah. at it, why the hell not? Um, <laughs> um, yeah,
4: there's somebody listening right now, probably going, "That was my idea." Yeah, so, yeah. Anyway, uh,
3: so true. Contact
4: pilot stuff. Have you got any problems with that? So, he'll, nice
3: he'll yeah. out pilot stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Um, and
2: so maybe, uh, this would be a good time. Uh, I'm kind of curious to know, um, why it's combat layer What's the history behind that?
4: Yeah. And again, that was, uh, so, uh, there, there's actually another patch that's floating around there. It's called the uh, the fire bass, which is, so the, the way the story goes is when you deploy, you would have a meeting every, you know, in the afternoon, the, you know, the wing commander would sit down with all the, you know, the squadron commanders and, or, you know, people from each squadron. And a lot of times you, you know, everybody has to be represented at these meetings. So the C-21 guys would go to this meeting and have typically a deployed, you know, uh, ops group commander, or wing commander, he's probably a fighter guy. So he's going around the table and he wanted to know what is the call, what do you call a C twenty one? What's his call sign? You know, like a viper. You know, the F sixteen, mm-hmm. and we we didn't have one. There was no call sign. So again, some very creative uh, lieutenants came up with the fire bass. So it's just the most ridiculous thing. It's fire? just a, it's a bass with <laughs> fire bass. You'll you'll have to Google it. So okay, it's okay. Just a bass with like. With light flames. I've got a picture of the patch. I might post it, but it's, so they made up the nickname fire bass and then that stuck for a while. And then somebody took it the next step. And said, well, let's just call it the combat layer jet. And which obviously we have nothing to do... We have nothing to do with combat. You know, we just fly around in those places, but. That and I, as you probably have noticed, I've kept that mystique, you know, and made it seem like it was much more than it really was. I mean, we're just a, <laughs> yeah. we're a Lear thirty-five with nothing, but yeah. uh, I, I kind of pl- I kind of played into the combat Learjet thing. So hopefully anyway. we
1: didn't just blow your cover.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's good. It's all good. You know? But uh, on the on the page, I, I still kind of keep it as. I can't talk about what we do, you know. Just the whole yeah. time, and it drives people nuts, it's which just, is funny. So
3: that is funny. Um, the banter's <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, um, so we, since this is the first time we've had you on the podcast, um, really, uh, le- let's let's go back a little ways. And have you always been into aviation? Have you always wanted to be a pilot? Did you always want to join the Air Force? um uh why don't you tell us a little bit about uh you know how that went down and yeah yeah (laughs) the origin story that's right
4: (laughs) you know i i i wasn't one of those guys that wanted i mean i always thought being a pilot was cool and i had some mentors around me that were pilots um probably uh the closest was my cousin who was about five years ahead of me and he i saw pictures of him i was still i guess maybe just entering high school and he had graduated pilot training and he had a uh I, he had a at the time i thought a cool car it was a uh, fiero uh,
1: <laughs> fiero oh, wow you know, fiero. yeah yeah i was like fiero. oh
4: it's fiero he had a picture of him i still remember it he's in front of his fiero in his flight suit and he flew uh he got b1 bombers and i thought man that oh. dude is just the coolest guy in the world oh, wow. and uh so it was probably high schoolish before I really started kind of thinking about it. And mm-hmm. then, uh, yeah, I went to college. I went to college down in Albuquerque at UNM and I got down there and joined ROTC. And I know this sounds terrible, but I just hated it. It was just really? all my other buddies were out, were out partying and having a good time. And our, our commandant, uh, he was a, a, a Fulberg colonel. He thought it was a great idea that all the cadets would clean the, uh, the stadiums after all the football games and basketball games of course oh. we didn't keep any of that money that money was just for the detachment oh
0: yeah and
4: so ever it was just the worst job ever uh, you know you go the lobos are notoriously terrible in football so people <laughs> only went there to party <laughs> so you would go clean the stadium up after this huge you know 30,000 fan party and it was just disgusting and Ugh. so I was doing that while all my other buddies were out having fun and so I, I did that for about a year and I was like I I hate this this is terrible so I actually got out of ROTC for a while and mm-hmm. thought I'd go do something else and and then somewhere along the way I grew up a little bit and went wow so I, I could fly airplanes and figure that out and so I a buddy of mine kind of talked me into going back and and mm-hmm. I did and that's the rest is kind of history. I ended up getting a pilot slot and on my way and, and loved it. But there were, I can't say that I was I was that driven kid from the very beginning saying I've got to be in the yeah. military. I got to be, you know, all this because I, I wasn't. I kind of wandered around a little bit until I figured out that it is
1: something that I liked. So. Yeah. Did you did you have a new commandant before you went back?
4: You know, uh, I, I didn't, I ended up just kind of going back and saying, look, I, I realized my buddy's like, look, we just got to get through this. Got a couple years and, yeah.' and I think my senior year he left and, but we had a great time when I went back and had the right attitude and realized that this is just silly game and it's just a process to get through, to get to the next step. And it was much better than, yeah. you know, when I first started going, cause I, I thought, wow, is this what the military is? You don't know. <laughs> yeah. I've never been around and. <laughs> you know, I was, you know, you had to wear your uniform around on, you know, the campus and, mm-hmm. you know, all my, of course, my buddies weren't doing it. So the guys I was living with and hanging out, they were all, you know, giving me a hard time about it. So it wasn't, it wasn't something I really enjoyed early on until I, you know, got mm-hmm. down the road a little ways.
1: Well, it's funny that you had mentioned making a game out of it uh, and, and having the right attitude because I, I went in, I was in the Air Force myself And I went through the enlisted way, which, you know, I mean, hindsight, I probably should have, you know, done the ROTC route or become an officer. But, you know, the first few days of basic training, uh, all of us were ready to go home. I'll never forget that first phone call. You know, everyone, you're trying to size each other up and you're kind of looking at each other and... And, uh, you know, oh, this guy's not tough or this is. So everyone's like trying to be tougher. And then that first phone call home, I mean, this is how it went for every single guy, no matter how tough or badass you looked. It's like, yeah, hey, oh, mom, oh I just gotta go home. And so, you know, the first few days yep. were hell. But unfortunately, you know, we really didn't have the choice to just like, to to be able to just say, yeah, well, we can't do this. But but once I personally made a game out of it and figured out, hey, there's a routine. So I get up, yeah. you know, I do this, we do our PT, we eat, then we have class, and then we do, you know, everything else. And once I figured out and made it a game, it flew by for me. So I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's just the And I've told a lot of folks as I've talked to them along the way and, you know, on the, on, on Instagram, it it is a game. You just got to get through it. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of those along your route, uh, in the military, uh, to your destination. But Mm -hmm. when you, when you have that ability to realize that it does help you kind of put what you're going through in perspective, you know, is that when you're first there and you're like, this is what it's like, I hate it. It's Mm -hmm. terrible. So, uh, uh, as you realize, Okay these people ahead of me went through some of the similar stuff and they're just allowing me to do the same thing so
0: yeah
1: yeah
4: i agree totally with you
1: and and really all you're doing is it's just something that's so new and so different you're just adjusting to a different way of life and people deal with change like that all the time yep that's exactly right
4: and it was a it was an adjustment when i got out of the military you know a few mm-hmm. years ago when i retired i didn't realize how much of an adjustment it would be to go to a job that wasn't military oriented. And it was, it was quite the, quite the adjustment there too. So uh, I've adjusted well and I don't want to go ever go back to the military. But uh, at the, at the time I was like, man, this is, who am I? I wasn't really sure after that many years of being in the military.
3: Oh yeah. Um, Did you choose to fly the C-21 or were you basically given orders to fly the C-21?
4: no i so my active duty years i flew i i graduated from pilot training At the time i graduated over half the class were not even getting an airplane it was a time where they were banking pilots if you mm. guys ever remember that and they just had too many pilots so as the pilots graduated only the top 50 percent of the of your graduating class actually got an airplane the other mm. the bottom 50 percent had to go to a desk job for like three plus years Wow. So there were ver- there were very few airplanes available when I graduated. Um, there were no fighters per se. It was only it was what they called a a fighter or like an F16 to be determined. So
0: hmm.
4: you did if you chose or got that, you would go fly an F16, but you had no idea where you were going to go or what you're going to do. Hmm. And most guys ended up with uh, doing a um, doing a year remote in Korea on their first assignment with that. But uh, so I was happy to get an airplane. I got a KC-135 out of pilot training. Okay. And uh, so that's what I flew my Air Force career. So I was in for 10 years in the Air Force. And as I got close to getting out of the Air Force, uh, I was actually uh, an instructor down at Altus uh, flying the 135. And I had a student who had flown uh, C-21s and we were doing an AR, air refueling track up over Colorado Springs one time. And he said, Hey, there's a great little guard unit down there that flies C-21s. They only have a couple airplanes and he happened to have the ops officer's phone number. So I knew I was getting ready to get out of the air force. And I, I thought at the time I was going to go to the airlines and I was going to look for, you know, some kind of guard job. And, and so I called this ops officer and I ended up, uh, uh, talking to him a couple times. And then ultimately I applied for a job and, and I was thankful enough that they, uh, they hired me and it was, you know, it was a hard unit to get in. There was only, I think they hired four or five guys, but there was like over a hundred applicants to get into this little C-21 unit. And so that, that's how I got into it. And then I, I stayed in that unit for 17 years flying the C-21.
0: Oh,
3: oh wow. wow! So so you originally so, combat yeah. strato tanker is what you're saying. You're so mysterious. I, I, yeah, like, we uh, didn't was... even know that. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I I flew the I flew the KC-135. Yeah, for ten years and wow. Uh, you know, I hint at that every once in a while. I'll put out that uh, <laughs> nobody nobody kicks ass without taker gas. If you see that NK, <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's what that right. is. But but uh, anyway, that's that's what I, that's what I. Uh, was born and raised in the air force doing and, and i love that job great job and great folks and um and then the transition to the c21 was was sure. great too i enjoyed it so
3: did did you ever know uh marcus sarah the ta- tanker guy uh, really? i mean M- mr tanker he has a book out called uh, tanker tanker pilot yeah it's tanker pilot um anyway yeah i he, have
4: heard of the book
3: I, yeah yeah He's a good friend of ours. We actually have had him on the podcast. Uh, we just had him on again recently. But uh, he, you know, the KC-135 and how important that is to the military. I mean, military would not be able to function without tankers, which is just crazy to think. Yeah, um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. We had no idea you flew tankers as well.
4: It, it was always the. I always felt like it was the. You know, like the like Lyman and on you know NFL teams you were <laughs> the quarterback's not going to score any touchdowns without the linemen you know you so go. I felt like we were the linemen <laughs> out there but uh, uh it was a great mission I did enjoy it it was uh like I said fun people and
0: mm-hmm. you
4: really felt like you were making you know you're. I was a part of everything you know pretty much all the 90s and mm-hmm. every every conflict that came up I was out doing something with it mm-hmm. so uh, it was it was a great it was a great mission
3: so you, fl- you flew the tanker in combat as well
4: I did. Yep, yep. Um, you know, I got in right after the first Gulf War, so okay. right after I got to my uh, first assignment, that had already kicked off, but then we had a no-fly zone mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. for Iraq, and I, I flew lots of missions there. I flew, uh, I flew in Bosnia stuff, I flew uh, Somalia stuff, hmm. so... I don't know. There, there was a handful, and then you know, of course, back to Iraq again, and everything, yeah. and then Afghanistan stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Um, was. Um,
2: I'm, I'm curious what, what exactly um, were, how do I put this? What were your missions? What exactly would a C twenty one pilot do? You know, during those campaigns, um, you know, f- uh, what were yeah, your missions? Sure. Ex- basically?
3: Example of missions and yeah. You know. Yeah. So we had
4: our stateside mission was a little different than when we deploy. I I say it's different. Um, Primarily on both of them, we were moving passengers around stateside. It was more DVs, i.e. general officers, uh, for Mm -hmm. the most part. Uh, When you deploy, there's not so many general officers in the AOR over there, but you are carrying around colonels. Sometimes we carried around you know, small teams of, I'm sure, important people doing whatever they do. Um, mm-hmm. We would move folks <laughs> like that occasionally. And then uh, a lo- another one of our main missions over there was we, we carried the U2's film. So the U2 has the ability of both filming and, you know, they got a data link for digital, but they also have big reels of film that they still, uh, at least back when I was doing it, they did. Yeah. And once they'd fly a mission, they'd have these huge rolls and they weighed a couple hundred pounds uh each and we would we would go and pick those up at the location they were take them to another location where they would be uh flown back to the states and analyzed
3: oh okay
2: oh interesting
4: so that was important yeah and what i what i understand without too much info on it they were basically just looking for they were filming areas and looking for differences from what it was to what it is kind of now so mm -hmm. but uh so that there okay. were people wherever in D.C. that did that. So that was a mission. And then uh, probably one of our main missions here stateside that we ended up picking up in our guard unit is after 9-11, we ended up going out and testing the air defenses. So all the all the videos and pictures I post with fighters off my wing, mm-hmm. that's what that was from. We would we would go out and purposely uh, get these alert fighters to launch on us. And we were testing out both their response and the process and and we worked with the IG team who evaluated them. And uh, we did that both here and up into Canada. And that was a pretty prominent mission for us uh, for several years after
3: 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. Those full, uh, those, all those photos that you posted are really cool. Um, so yeah. a, a while back, I was listening to you, you had the combat Learjet podcast. And, and I believe it was the first episode where you had talked about. Um, your 9-11 experience and um, the flying you were doing and just kind of, ha- you know, how surreal everything was. Would you mind just kind of giving us a little rundown of, of, of that, of your 9-11 story? It was so fascinating.
4: Sure, sure. Yeah, I. So the, the morning of, you know, like anybody, I was headed to work. I was going into Peterson and I think that day I wasn't listening to the radio. I was listening to you know a podcast or whatever back then it was maybe a audio book or something so mm-hmm. i i really wasn't tuned in to what was going on in the world and i parked at my squadron and i walked in only to see you know the tv's going and and everybody was uh you know obviously glued to the tv and we were you know everybody was talking like hey one of an airplane hit a building and they still weren't really sure at that moment and as we're watching the tv i watched the second one come in and hit you know, and like everybody, mm-hmm. we we all knew immediately. Okay, we're we're under attack, and so as we're standing around there, our squadron commander immediately uh, said, uh, I, "I want everybody." He was, you know, <laughs> smart enough to realize we're probably about to be used, and yeah. so he sent uh, he sent most of us home and put us back into crew rest. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that's what I did. I went back into crew rest, and I think. I got a call later that night saying, Hey, we've our we've got a mission drop down for you early in the morning. So I came in, which would have been September 12th, at probably three in the morning. Um, just a side note, I got a speeding ticket on the way in. So <laughs> it still irks me to this day. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, wow. Yeah. He's I, like I, asking I, me like, what are you, where, where are you going? I'm like, Hey, man, I'm going to fly a mission. Uh, and he goes, well, you're already flying, and wrote me the ticket. I'm like, oh, oh what That's a jerk. My I saw, oh, so, my god! So that was – and I, I love law enforcement, but that guy, that guy, he, he so it's still something I, I laugh about. Anyway, <laughs> wow. I, I got in, and our mission on early the 12th was they had brought in some uh, engineers from – I think they came out of California originally, got them to us, and then we loaded them up, and we flew to um, – into Newark mm-hmm. and, uh, the whole, uh, you know, it was, it was surreal at this point, everything had been shut down. The airspace was shut down. We literally took off and they cleared us direct to Newark from wow. Colorado Springs, which, yes. you know, that that's unheard of. Yeah. And of course we talked, we talked to, uh, we talked to ATC across the country and, you know, Kansas city center is a huge center and they're like, you're the only airplane we're controlling. So it was just, a very wow. unique time to fly. We did; we were intercepted by an F sixteen along the way that just wanted to visually identify us. Never saw him, but mm-hmm. they they said, "Hey, you're going to have company uh, identifying you." And then as we're, I still remember as we start our descent down into New York City, uh there was a level of debris at about, I would say, high teens, low twenties. You could just see this, Jeez. like brown leather from you know the the buildings and everything mm. that had come up after that and mm. and that's where it really became real to me is like oh my gosh you know we didn't you could still see where it was smoking near the you know as you're coming in on approach and and uh, we we brought the engineers in and i guess their their mission was to evaluate the buildings around the twin towers to see whether or not they were going to you know be able to stand or not as we know you know, some of those ended up coming down anyway, mm-hmm. but, uh, that was, that was our original mission. And then following that we did, uh, we did several, several days worth of those type of missions back and forth there. And mm-hmm. a few other places, um, as nobody else was flying, we were, we were still very busy flying lots of missions. So,
0: hmm.
2: wow. wow. But, kind of uh, chilling. Yeah, it was yeah. a surreal time. <laughs> yeah. It's a,
4: it's still, as I talk about it now, I hadn't thought much about it. It was a, it was a crazy time to to go back and, and uh, really be a part of something like that. So that's, and it feels, uh, and I'm flying now. It, it feels a little like that now. Um, It's not to the same level, Mm -hmm. but as I'm, as I'm doing my job now, there's, you know, there's nobody flying there. We're still getting, we're getting clearances, direct places. There's very few airplanes in the air. Um, It's, it is a, it's, it, it feels a lot like nine 11 to me again. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's, so um, this is Tony again, Steve. So I was also a flight yeah, dispatcher. Um, I was a flight okay. dispatcher for sky West for many years and your story getting cleared direct to Newark. I don't know if a lot of people realize the significance of that. Um, but if yeah. you've flown into New York, Newark, or if you've, you know, planned a route or anything like that, that is just unheard of to me. And yeah. Yeah. I just, wow. And and then like you say, the what's going on now, uh, I was talking with a buddy of mine that uh, I used to work in dispatch with, and um, I'm guessing this is public information because I'm sure it can be looked up, but SkyWest was operating uh, just over 2,800 flights a day at their peak. And as of May first, they're going to be dropping down to around 600 flights a day. Yeah, and this yeah. is just one regional airline. Yeah,
3: yeah.
4: it's. It, I mean, it's terrible. I, I, uh, I, I know a lot, and I, I won't. I, I do fly for a major airline now. I, I won't. Mm-hmm. Devold the name of that yeah, airline. Yeah. I just like to keep that. Sure, um, that's fine. But uh, I will say that the the airlines are, several of them are down in around 95% of their normal load. So Jeez. that gives you a little indication of how tough it is right now. Um, I know that, you know, there's some loans and, you know, some some help out there, but it's still, unless things change dramatically in the near future. Um there, there are going to be several airlines in, in a lot of trouble.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. air, airlines survive on capacity. So it's like right. people got to start yeah. flying. I mean, you you know, the government can loan the airlines as much money as they want. But, I mean, you, you, the airlines got to yeah. make money. So you got to fly, fly passengers. Um, on on your flights that you do now, um, are most of them pretty empty? Or are they? or do, do you see fluctuations Um how is that compared to how it was before, which I know a lot of airlines, a lot of flights are, you know, mostly full, but, uh, is, yeah. that, is, is that just yeah. a weird feeling to see or, you know, how's that going? It,
4: it yeah. is. I, uh, I rode in the back of a 737, 800, um, a, a week or so back. And I was the only outside of the flight attendants. I was the only person in the back. So <laughs> I literally got on there like you're, you're only passenger and that, that holds 175 people. Oh, that so so uh,
0: weird.
4: that gives you, yeah. And I would say uh, at least with, with my airline, we've cut a lot of our flights and those, those cuts have led to um, having a few more people on than we did because mm-hmm. back when we had kind of the normal schedule, it really was, it was, it, it wasn't unheard of to see five, six people or less on, on flights like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I even heard of some that were um, had zero passengers on them. And mm-hmm. somebody probably asked, well, why are you even flying? Well, and I, I didn't really understand this at first either, but it, it's essential. A, a the airlines are essential part of our, our nation in the, you know, the, the transportation structure. So, so uh, part of this is that we have to maintain some flights yeah. um, mm-hmm. per our, our agreement with the government. And so, yep, because of that, because we're maintaining some flights in different cities, there's going to be places or you know, flights that have very few people on them, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's, it's very, I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime. Of course, I haven't lived in the airline life my whole life, but mm-hmm. everybody I talked to said this is even worse than nine 11 and nine eleven took close to five years for the airlines to recover from. So, Jeez. uh, it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Tough times.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so, and from a dispatcher's perspective, too, just to kind of elaborate on what you said about people, you know, asking, why are you still flying? Yes, you have to maintain a certain level of your schedule, if you could even call it that anymore. But what people also don't understand is aircraft and flight crews need to be in the right position even to maintain the smallest schedule, right?
4: That's exactly right, yeah. And I would say we personally are, are carrying a lot more cargo than we did in the past. Okay. Uh I, I hauled uh I hauled twenty million dollars the other day. So it was uh I think it was forty six hundred pounds of one hundred dollar bills. So oh, wow. my gosh. um as I I asked I asked one of the guys when I was doing the walk around, uh, you know, if they'd missed one of those bags and he didn't even laugh. He just looked at me like, keep on doing your walk around. So anyway, but, uh, so I guess people just don't have any humor. I guess an unscheduled
1: diversion uh, would probably raise a few (laughs) eyebrows then.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. That's a lot. I didn't realize, man, but yeah, I went right from, you know, to the Brinks truck, right on onto the airplane and then right back. You know, yeah. but yeah, so
2: interesting. I,
4: I'm not sure what that purpose that is, but we are uh, we are carrying a lot of cargo around different stuff. I know they're carrying mm. stuff related to uh, COVID-19 with mm. masks and yeah. stuff mm-hmm. like that. So uh, they are utilizing as much as they can. And I, I do see cargo quite a bit more than at least more cargo than I was used to seeing because before when you have all the bags, you don't have a lot of room for cargo,
0: but Mm
1: -hmm.
4: with no passenger, you have a lot more room for cargo.
1: Right. So. Mm -hmm. So compared to, well, how much were you flying prior to all the, the scaling back compared to what you're flying now? Uh,
4: You know, I flew, I was, I'm a high time flyer. I fly, I like to fly. I always have enjoyed that. And Mm -hmm. so I try to go out and fly as much as I can. Um, I would say that, uh, our, our schedules have been scaled back probably more than 50%. Mm. So I've seen some of my, some of my flights canceled. Um, and then some of them just, you know, not near as efficient as what normally you would do, where you'd be carrying somebody every leg. Now you might carry somebody and then ride around in the back for two legs to get to where you need to go to carry somebody again. So,
0: mm-hmm.
4: wow. uh, it's not near as efficient and, you know, I would see overall quite a bit less flying than what I was used to. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I seem to have a lot more days off right now than I did, you know, a <laughs> month ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, hopefully, hopefully we can get through this. You know, I'm a, um, yeah, I, I'm a believer in that we we got to get our economy going at some point. I, I yeah. you know, I tried to explain to somebody the other day. I said, you know, flying is every time I go fly an airplane, there there's risk associated with that. We 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 do risk assessment and we figure out what are our risks. What are what are the factors that can really hurt us? What are if you will, the alligators closest to the boat. And we, mm-hmm. we, uh, we go out and we, we execute the mission at the same time, uh, looking at the risk. And so the safest thing to do as far as flying airplanes would be just park it in a hangar and never fly it. But that doesn't really do what you need to do. So, so you have to figure out how to manage that. And I think we, as a country have to do the same as go, yeah. we've got to get things going and then, let's manage the risk where it needs to be managed and maybe the hot spots or the people that are most vulnerable uh-huh. to be you know affected by this and then we let other people get out and try to get this thing going again
2: so yeah hopefully that's where
4: we're headed
1: that's, that's...
4: yeah I hope so. That's my two cents. Nobody's called me and asked me
3: that, so I guess yeah, yeah. me telling myself that. Well, so. we
1: we can't agree with you more on that. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, de- definitely. Awesome. I mean, we
3: yeah. I mean, one of the one of the whole reasons we even started our little thing here, you know, Ramcheck Global is to really push how important aviation is to all of our lives and the whole world. I mean, the world basically functions on aviation. I mean, whether it's, you know, passenger yeah. service, uh, military protecting us, uh, cargo. you know, cargo, airvac, you know, yeah. rescuing us when we're doing stupid shit on the highway. Um, you know, I mean, yep. you name it, yep. aviation is what allows us to all function. And uh, people just don't sure. realize that. Yeah. And, and, you know, they really need to.
4: <clears throat> yeah, it, and when you lose, if in a time like this, if we lose major airlines... Uh, you know, it's hard to get that back. It, it's just, mm-hmm. it took so long to build these airlines and get them to where they are. If, if they have to close the door, you know, it hurts. It hurts the industry as a whole because now all those pilots hit the street and all these younger pilots are out looking for jobs and trying to find their way. You know, now the market's flooded and it's just a,
0: mm-hmm.
4: it's just a really rough road. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I think I hear people tell me on my page, "Oh, the airlines make billions. Well, they do make a lot of money mm-hmm. in the good times, but it's amazing how much money they bleed in a time like this. I, mm-hmm. I read something about one of the major airlines saying that they were going to lose close to $11 billion in revenue between now and July Ouch. if it maintained the same way. Yeah. And I don't care how much money you have in the bank. When you bleed that kind of money, it, it will take the healthiest of airlines Mm -hmm. and, and shipwreck them in no time at all. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, I think that's why there's a lot of concern right now. Um, and I'm not convinced that people are, even if we say, Hey, uh, all's clear, we can go back to living. I'm not convinced that people are going to feel really comfortable hopping on airplanes right away. So, uh, I'm, I plan on helping to encourage that as much as I can when we get to that point, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens.
2: Yeah
3: same, yeah, same here. It's, I mean it's so
2: important. I once things open up, I'm not gonna hesitate at all. I wanna get just to show my support in yeah. the aviation industry, I wanna get right on an aircraft and go do something, you know? Mm-hmm. So hopefully yeah. I'll I'll do the same Absolutely. as well. Encourage people to get the aviation industry well, and supported.
4: And we're doing things I'm sure that are not gonna quit. I mean we're cleaning them at an incredible some of the things that they're doing the way they clean these jets now is pretty, pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think a lot of these things are going to continue on mm-hmm. in the future. You know, I, so, um, well, yeah, and, it's, and, and, uh,
3: you know, that, that, I I guess that's what, you know, the, 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 good, the silver lining, I guess all this is, you know, every, everybody will probably be a little healthier because everybody, should remember to wash their hands all the aircraft (laughs) will be cleaned a little bit better um and you know even just from you know your regular common flu you know cold so um you know if if everybody's going to be healthier because of this that's that that is is a good thing i guess is what i'm trying to say yep Um, and kind of similar
1: and kind of similar to what happened with 9-11 though the the biggest challenge that airlines face is people aren't going to set foot on an airplane until they feel safe, mm-hmm. and they feel yep. confident that yep. they're going to stay yep. safe. In this situation, unlike nine eleven, is if they're you know they're they're going to be able to get on an airplane and not catch you know whatever virus might be out there now uh, or you know then. Yeah, I should yeah. say so. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Well, anything we can do yeah, to help I, spread I agree. the word with that, you know, we will.
0: Well.
4: I appreciate that. Yeah, we'll we'll see when we get to that point. I mean, uh, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. But I, I feel like um, it's definitely uh, going to be something that we need to uh, have people realize that there's precautions in place to go fly, and it it should be a great time to go fly once we get going again. Yeah. You know i i I love I love flying. Obviously, I do it as a job, but I also when I travel, I mean, it kills me. I I call it the ten or eleven hour rule. For every hour that it takes me to fly I have to drive 10 or 11 hours to get there so right <laughs> I just uh I can't stand that so I much <laughs> rather go let's get on an airplane and then three hours be where we want to be and enjoy our time yeah versus three days to get there you yeah know? so yeah
1: well and another thing too right after things start to open up again uh like you were saying it'll be a really great time to fly I would imagine the fares will probably be a little lower to draw people back and um Probably if you're on a three and three configuration, you won't have to be sitting in that middle seat for a little while.
4: Yep. Yep. I agree. I think that's all that kind of stuff's going to be going on and it will be, you know, a great time to fly. And, you know, as an airline employee, it was very, it was always difficult to non-rev places because usually the loads were so full, Mm -hmm. you could never plan on getting anywhere. So I plan on using that a little bit too, you know, because they probably have the opportunity to get out and go hop on and yeah. fly somewhere. So,
1: well, yeah. And it seems like the yeah. airlines found that perfect balance of, you know, capacity and demand to keep those airplanes full.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They were, I mean, prior to this, <laughs> three months ago, they were just humming along. And, yeah. it was, you know, everything you'd read or see is we're, we've got a pilot shortage. We can't make enough pilots. It's coming. And just almost overnight, you know, that, that turned itself upside down until we figure out what's going on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and I get a lot of those questions, which, you know, I have people say, Hey, I was going to be a pilot. I'm going to do this. What do you think? And I, I mean, I, I think it's coming back. I think that the industry will, will get back there. And, I tell these young young guys and gals to, you know, follow your dreams. And yeah. it isn't always going to be like we're sitting right now. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, put yourself in a position to be there uh, when the time opens up. So.
3: Yeah, because, I mean, in aviation, like of all other things, history repeats itself. And so it will come back strong. And, uh, you know, it's yep. just – you just wanted to come back even stronger and and uh you know i've always tried to been you know tried to be an optimist and so i'm really hoping that
1: it will quicker
4: i, am too. Think, I am too i am too well and yeah.
1: there were the so-called experts that said that the airline industry would never bounce back after 9-11 yeah
4: yeah yeah and i mean it was crazy there for a while <laughs> they just the, you know, it was it was going like gangbusters So yeah. It did it did obviously come back and I, I think it will again.
2: Yeah, yeah. Same. Um hey uh d- would it uh be uh alright to ask you what type of aircraft you fly?
4: Yeah, currently or all in my past or uh currently. Whatever. Currently I'm yeah. A- currently? Yeah. I fly I fly the seven thirty seven model, so I'm Nice. I've flown, you know, kind of a handful of variants of that. Three hundred to five hundred, uh, um and then I fly uh you know seven eights and I flew the max before it was grounded too for quite some time. Oh, so wow. not a not a lot of hours in the max, but I did have I did have uh, you know, a handful of uh missions in it or you know, legs in it, I guess.
3: Sure. Yeah, Is. Now, so, no no, go, go ahead, Steve. Sorry, I, I was just
4: going to say I'm excited for that that chapter to to close as well and get. I think the Max is a great airplane. Uh, I know I know the reputation. I know all the stuff. I did a lot of a lot of studying, and I I had mentioned on some of my other stuff my my job in the one of my jobs in the Air Force was I was a safety accident investigation guy. So I'm kind of a geek towards oh, uh, that type of stuff. That's always and, fascinated uh, me. And so, yeah, so I, uh, you know, I kind of dug into these accidents in the max and went back and looked at them and read some stuff on it. And there's a lot more, there's a lot more to it than just, um, you know, Boeing created a terrible airplane. Cause that's really just a small part of the story. And, mm-hmm. and I would, I would even argue it wasn't a terrible airplane. It was just a system that, um, that they obviously didn't tell us about. And, that was not designed like it should be. And that, that has been fixed, but there were, there mm-hmm. were also a lot of um, mistakes made on the other end too, which yeah. we could spend a whole podcast talking about that. Yeah. So. Hey, well, it's,
1: it's yeah, funny, it's, funny it's, that totally you would bring, bring up ahead. the max because we, we wanted to ask that question to you since you do fly, you know, the 737s, we kind of want to get it. Your wanted to get your take, because everybody that we've talked to hasn't flown the 737. And so now we have somebody on the podcast who has. And, you know, from from the in-depth reading that the three of us have done and from the opinions of people that we have spoken to, there's really one wor- one glaring word that stands out in our opinion and some of these other opinions. And a lot of that is airmanship.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was, uh, again, without getting all the details in, but there was some mistakes on on the last accident. The auto throttles were never kicked off, and thus the airplane thought it was stalling Mm -hmm. due to the AOA uh, indication, giving it a stall indication on the airspeed indicators. Mm -hmm. But because of that, the auto throttles are, they've got the power all the way up at the firewall, full throttles. Wow. And the The airplane is going at that point, you know. I don't. I don't even know five hundred and some miles an hour across the ground, just smoking fast. Yeah. With the with the power full up, and anybody that's ever flown knows, the faster you go, the more out of trim you get, the worse it gets. So uh, it's uh, it, the the MCAS trim system was exaggerated by the fact that they were had the power full up, and when that thing fired, it was there there was just no getting out of it. So, um, so, so yeah, I would, I would guess I would, I would definitely say you guys are on target with the airmanship as at least a, anytime you do an accident investigation, there's lots of factors that go into it. Mm Not sure. It's a rare event for one thing to crash an airplane. Mm -hmm. So, um, what we call them causal factors. And so obviously the MCAS system was a causal factor, but there was also, um things that the pilots did that were causal factors to that airplane mm-hmm. so yeah um, had
0: yeah, the air, air, had,
4: air, had the trim system been kicked off they would have survived you know and yeah or had the opportunity
3: to so mm-hmm. yeah which is part of that airmanship i guess where you know you you would think that that would be something that a you know myself my brothers were not pilots so you know we re- we can't really speak to that but just logically, I guess you would think, you know, well, if you're having an issue like that, you would think, oh it's a trim failure, runaway trim, da da da, you know and and so you'd think that that yeah. system would be the first thing, and you know the the, the other factor that that we really um kind of pulled out of all the research we've done is, is, you know, it was really weird how Boeing didn't build really any redundancy into the MCAS as far as receiving data. I mean, just pulling data from one AOA sensor just seems kind of odd.
4: Yeah, I agree. That was definitely, that's definitely on Boeing. Um, The two things I would, well, the handful of things, not having it come off one AOA sensor, having the MCAS continue to fire, again, that's
0: mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm.
4: any pilot would say, look, I, I don't want a system that's going to continue to roll the trim nose down for me. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe fire once, uh, you know, and of course this all comes back to the word. It's not stalling like it should with the larger engines that are forward and, you know, yeah. bigger. So, um, but that being said, I don't, I don't want a system that's going to continue. And th- that's something that's been fixed. Uh, from my understanding, I haven't, Seen yeah. exactly all the changes, but I think it's not going to continue to fire. And you're right; it should be tied into um, to both AOA uh, mm-hmm. systems so that mm-hmm. it, it's getting good data. Right. Um, it is. I will tell you, having been in the simulator and trained on some of the stuff, it's a very uh, it's a very confusing and uh, uh, I don't want to say chaotic, but it's it it can be a challenging. Um, malfunction to go through because you're all your visual indicators you're getting a stick shaker um it's showing that you're stalling everything you're used to looking at you know they they always tell you trust your instruments well you're looking at your instruments and it's giving you bad information
0: Hmm.
4: and the the airplane's telling you i'm stalling however if you look at other things and say hey my power's up and our ground speed is 450 knots we're we're not stalling we're Hmm we're actually going the sound of the air is going over the airplane. We're, we're going really fast. And, uh, so it's just one of those things that you got to kind of sort that out in your brain.
0: Yeah.
4: Um, and I think a lot of these pilots, you know, I, I don't want to characterize them as a whole, but I think they're taught to really rely on the AV on the automation.
0: Yeah.
4: Um, probably too much, get the autopilot on, let it do its thing and figure, cause we do a lot. Of, I do a lot more automation in this than I ever did in the Learjet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the 737, I'm managing. And I thought that was a hard transition for me to figure out how to manage the automation. You know, I'm pushing buttons and doing stuff. Whereas in the Learjet, I just clicked that baby off and hand flew it. And it was great. And uh, <laughs> this, uh, this, is these airplanes, you, you're not taught to do it like that near as much. You're taught to figure out how to make the computers do it. And I think they were busy trying to do that. Whereas
0: mm-hmm. maybe
4: just clicking it off and hand flying it and figuring out what you know what's going on with the airplane would help you out yeah and that comes back to just maybe training you know i obviously flying the 135 we didn't have any automation so it was a lot of we had a very basic autopilot and mm-hmm. no v-nav at all so there's a lot of things that i just didn't grow up with that uh
0: yeah
4: it the, the natural thing is to go back to the basics you know
3: yeah yeah That that's that's probably an advantage having a you know, an ex-military pilot is, you know, you're probably <laughs> used to doing a lot of hand flying and, a, you know, and then you jump into an airliner and something happens, your instinct is probably go right back to, you know, hand flying this thing like a Cessna. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: still an airplane.
4: Yeah. 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 Having an advantage of flying a 1957 model airplane, uh, yeah, it's, there's not too much automation on that thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: yeah.
3: Yeah. So. Um, So I have a question about, about your career and, 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 and you can go anywhere in your span of flying, um, you know, whether it was in the air force or, you know, flying now, you know, the 737, uh, was, was there ever a situation where, um, it, it, I don't know, got a little bit scary, maybe made you a little bit nervous and you really had to take that training and, and that instinct, um, into play and, uh, uh, you know, fly the aircraft back, get it back safely?
4: Uh, Yeah, you know, I did some stupid things like lots of pilots, you know, I, <laughs> I, uh, uh, you know, you'd learn from that stuff, thankfully, if you don't kill yeah. yourself in the process. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I uh, I pushed gas one time I was in a T-37 and a buddy of mine flew from Griffiths Air Force Base over to Niagara. And they, they, you know, we, our plan was we weren't going to stop and refuel. We we're going to fly there, see the falls and do some approaches and then fly back to Griffiths and full stop. So me and another buddy, we flew over there and we were like, they said, Hey, you guys can drop down and check it out. And we were just having a great time just flying over the, you know, Niagara Falls inverted and mm-hmm. in a T-37 checking it out. That's cool. And then we said, well, we, be- we better head back. And we head back. We're like, Ooh, we're a little tight on gas. So at one point, we had to make a decision. Do we stop in Syracuse, get some gas, and then we have to admit that we screwed up? Or do we just say, yeah, it's a nice day. I think we can press it back. We'll be tight on gas, but we'll we'll make it back. Mm-hmm. So we chose the latter, which was not the best. And when we got back in the pattern, uh, sure enough, a B-52 had problems on the runway. And now we had to get in extended vectors. And uh, now we're really short on gas. Oh and. uh no. You know, we made it, but it was one of those things where I told myself, I'll never do that again. You know, Mm -hmm. I was young. I think I was 22 or 23 at the time. I'm like, that was just dumb. So uh, (laughs) those are the things, you you know, you you look at and you grow from. Um, I'd say probably the scariest thing ever happened to me in an airplane was I was was in the 135. We'd have flown out to Whiteman to refuel the B2. And we took off. And the B-2 had a maintenance issue. So we said, it was a beautiful day. We said, we'll just, uh, we'll set up in an orbit, you know, about 30 miles north of the field and wait for you to come up to us. And so we set up in the orbit and they were delayed about 30 minutes or something, working, whatever issue. And they ended up taking off and uh, just, like I said, gorgeous day, climbing right up to us. They kind of fly it like a fighter. You know, they're just, they're hand flying it, I think, right up to join on the tanker and get some gas. And so we were just up there doing orbits, and they called us said, hey, we're airborne. We'll just join on you. I said, sounds great. So we were headed kind of towards Whiteman, and they were coming right up at us. And I could see them coming up, you know, low, but they were climbing towards us. And, I, you know, to this day, it just happened so quick. Uh, next thing I know, they climbed right through our altitude, right in front of us. Oh, and uh, we flew we flew through their wake turbulence, and I, I don't know how far we missed by, I'm, I, I'm i guessing less than, less than a hundred feet, probably closer to 50 feet from impacting them. And what,
1: what, it, what ended up
4: happening is they, uh, they thought we were going the other direction. We were headed directly towards them and it's an optical illusion and they thought we were going away from them. So they were climbing up to join on, join us, you know, and get the fuel when in fact we were flying directly at them and at the last minute when he figured out what was going on the the pilot just pulled to get away and you know that's natural and not do a negative pushover he pulled but when he pulled they climbed right through our our altitude and i just it was one of those things that it was so close it made me nauseous oh wow (laughs) and I, i i barely i couldn't even really react the other guy i mean it happened that quick and we we're like we knocked it off. We didn't even refuel. We're like, hey, we're we're done. You guys done? Yeah, we're returning. And it was it was one of those uh, scenarios where you're just uh, <laughs> it yeah. makes you it makes you th- sick to think how how close you were to uh, crashing an airplane. Yeah. And all I could think about is the news wouldn't have said all the news would have said is we crashed a B two today. You're right, and, uh, right, right. Not <laughs> mention the tanker crew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, really. yeah, that, that's really, those are the things that you just, you know, as you go through your career, you're just grateful that it worked out that way. But, you know, sometimes crazy stuff happens. So, yeah. Wow. Um, so anyway, that's, that's a couple of my war stories, I guess. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, speaking wow. of stories, um, look in here at that, the combat Learjet patch,
1: Ryan really likes your patch. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Uh, what's the story behind yeah, uh, unaware and unafraid? Yeah, so we just, we
4: really, and it, I've seen another one out there that I actually like that it also puts unarmed on,
0: in there too. Oh, so unarmed, it's, uh, yeah.
4: Unarmed. Okay. Yeah, unaware. So, yeah, you just are, uh, so we really just have no, we have no raw gear, no systems on the airplane to tell us that there's bad guys out there. And, uh, I, I flew a mission one night to take a, it was a one-star general. We were going into, uh, I think it was Kandahar. And at the time there was, there was some bad guys around there wanting to shoot down airplanes. And the general knew that we got some kind of, you know, our, uh, our briefing told us that, uh, Hey, there's, I think they said they're potentially a stinger or something out there that would like to you know, would love to target a, one of ours. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so the general asked us, he said, what's the, what do we have on board here to protect us? I'm like, uh, we don't have anything, sir. He, he was like, what? Like, uh, and uh, of course I tried to make a joke. I'm like, well, if you hear the explosion, let us know up front. And uh, he didn't think that was very funny, but, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I, that was, that's the unaware part. Mm-hmm. And the unafraid is we, we still flew into these places. So whether mm-hmm. it, whether we're just too dumb to know better or not, that's that's what it was. So so that's the that's okay. the whole tongue-in-cheek behind it.
2: Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Are these uh, yeah. C-21's civilian version? Is that the Lear 35?
4: It is. It's a Lear 35. Yep, okay. that's it. Right. So ours, the Air Force bought like 86 of them uh, in the 80s. So that was after uh, President Reagan kind of did the, um, you know, the put a lot of money into the military that's when the the air force
2: first bought them so gotcha okay so you were and you and encur- really go ahead sorry n-
4: no i was just gonna say it was a it was you know it was a great they got a, i think a smoking good deal on i think they paid a couple million a piece for 86 of them which is <laughs> not bad for brand new lure jet so oh wow Jeez.
2: yeah they uh yeah, yeah. so you uh, you definitely encouraged people not to use the little curtain lab right
4: yeah that that is uh you know that's one of those things where the bathroom is very uh there's not much privacy how's that i i had to bring it up
2: just servicing them on the line for all the years i did uh i i always knew when a pilot got out and gave me the bad news i was like oh Uh, man yeah
0: yeah
4: yeah (laughs) yeah it's terrible and if that does happen that goes right up in the front with you the whole flight so it's just terrible <laughs> so yeah yeah uh, no awesome. windows to open up there so yeah so, yeah <laughs> that's that that was an emergency scenario right there so
3: yeah gotcha. thankfully
4: i uh never had to do that so yeah it's a bad deal
3: <laughs> did, did you ever have a uh, ground really? crew uh fuel the uh, c21 and tip it on one of its tanks <laughs>
4: Yeah. It never hit the ground, but uh, you know, we'd always tell them, you know, uh-huh. cause it, how how to do it. Hey, you know, we'll do. And so I, I think you could do 125 gallons on one side, and then you had to go to the other and you couldn't uh-huh. have a more than 125 gallon split. So, yeah, so we tell them 125 on one and then you can, you can do, you know, 250 or whatever on the other one. I don't remember what it was, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but there's some guys just would, you'd go, you'd look out and that tip would be like, a foot off the ground, you're like, whoa, whoa, stop, stop! And, yeah, yeah. I mean, it will, it'll take it all the way to the ground if they just keep fueling it, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, so, yeah, I and I've heard, obviously, from lots of people, they hated to refuel the, you know, the overwing is not optimal, but yeah, yeah. it is definitely.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, it, I, I would say it's it's not optimal, but I never mind doing the layers myself just because uh, the. The nozzle itself the hole to fill it in you could open it up pretty good as opposed to like the old beach jet aircraft or yeah or anything or the like that you two. yeah Oof. so yeah the layers were too bad yeah. and i actually had uh, uh there was an old uh lear 35 with the charter company for the fbo i worked with and i got to go up in that a few times after mm-hmm. it had some maintenance done and i loved it i enjoyed being up in that layer so had a good time
0: yeah yeah yeah, that's...
4: yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a really great airplane. It was fun to fly. Um, I, I love flying. I told everybody I love flying it for about an hour to two hours max. And then beyond that, it was just become the pain train because that cockpit's tiny and yeah. the seat doesn't recline back and the rudder pedals don't adjust. Uh, yeah. And you're just, you're just stuck in this tiny cockpit. But the first hour, it's a lot of fun to fly. I mean, it's almost like a fighter. It really does handle and maneuver incredible and i i loved it for that but uh it it also is and a lot of the guys in my unit including me end up having back issues because of it so oh wow it's uh yeah i a couple of us uh oh like pilot stuff and i both got back surgeries out of it because of the layer so uh it's uh just sitting in those seats you know
2: yeah, I can imagine. I I remember uh, an NBA player here in Utah used to charter that thing out, and he was, uh, I think, six nine. Um It was mm, kind of yeah. entertaining watching yeah. him get in and out of that thing.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's – it's terrible. I don't know how tall – you can't stand up in it for sure. And it's, you know – plus loading the bags, that was the other thing that made it hard is, you know, we loaded the bags from the front to the back, and
0: mm-hmm. you couldn't
4: stand up, so you were – you're trying to, you know, load these big, heavy suitcases or whatever all the way to the back. And yeah. It's just a, you know, yeah, it, it was hard on guys' backs for sure. So and,
0: Ryan, and our I, little our oh,
4: little unit was. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. I was just going to say our little unit was unique in that we had guys that had flew that thing for 17 years. I mean, most people don't oh, wow. fly a Learjet that long.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah. You 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 fly it for a few years and then you move up to. You know, bigger and better equipment. So, for Mm -hmm. us to have flown it that long is one of probably one of the reasons a lot of us had physical problems from it. So,
3: oh wow, yeah. What what I was gonna say is Ryan. He's talking about that legend. Was that? uh nine one one Alpha echo. it sure was okay good see i i remember that too geez these are ramp stories we're talking about when we gosh what is this 15 <laughs> awesome. years ago yeah <laughs> 18 years ago yep. forever yep. ago that's so funny because i remember servicing that same litter jet and training people how to fuel it too so they didn't <laughs> didn't do it wrong Yep. <laughs> it's a good aircraft that's I funny. Loved it. yeah oh, that's great that's um, awesome. So b- before we wrap up here, Steve, I mean, this has been great. I mean, we could just go on and on. We love hearing your stories. Um, um, I wanted to ask you a question uh, going back to Instagram, uh, the at combat underscore Learjet. Um, is there yeah. uh, one particular video or, or photo that you've posted that's gotten the most amount of likes or attention? And do you know what the like count is on that specific photo or video?
4: Uh, you know, I don't, I see over the years, you know, it's weird when I, before I went to a business account, I had a couple of videos, uh, have over, you know, 1.5, almost 2 million views on them. Oh, wow. Since I, since I switched to a a business account, you just don't get near as many views. And I'm told to, I guess I didn't understand you people can't see the views anymore uh, i guess i, I guess yeah, they, they were messing around with
3: that, so. that that's right i do remember yeah. something about that
0: because somebody said that i to want to mine, equal. i couldn't see
4: the views yeah okay all right well yeah if that makes you <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> what, so...
3: what, what it tells i, I do it... i
4: said yeah.
1: i said it's everybody... uh they they did that so they'll they can make everybody feel equal
3: oh jeez.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, that was probably, really yeah, tongue it
4: in cheek. <laughs> it, it I guess it is. I mean, that is the part. They felt like some people didn't I don't know. Yeah. But,
3: it's so
4: I, I can still see my views, but I, I guess somebody else doesn't see how many people see it. But uh right. so I guess to answer your question, I, I don't really I mean it, it ebbs and flows. Uh, uh-huh. I uh, I I'd have to look back over it. I, I just did a thing. I uh, I did this just for a business type thing, but i I look back at like my last whatever and i think I think I averaged around fifteen thousand likes per picture, something like that, and that oh, was a incredible. that was a formula for a business proposal is the only reason I know that. so you have to kind of go back and figure that stuff out. But, oh yeah um, i i don't I don't know I don't know exactly on that. I know it was probably being a few years back that, that some of those ones that went kind of over a million and I'm, I'm very careful now. Um, I, you know, when I first started, I didn't really understand a lot of how all that works, but now I'm pretty cautious to make sure that I know who owns the video before I post it. So yeah, I spend a lot of time asking people, can I post this? Uh, is it, is it okay? And I mean, as you know, my, you probably heard my buddy pilot stuff got his account shut down a couple of weeks ago. Um, for reposting a video that was uh you know it's just a funny video but one of these companies um i I, they're i i call them piranha companies because that's kind of what they are but they're these viral hog and viral and uh, i forget some of the other names on them but they they buy up uh, um they buy up videos and they they copyright them and then they put something in there and then they go out and if anybody reposts them um then they'll send you something so um for example uh pilot stuff he had reposted one from the dad page or something It was just a funny video of a dad and his daughter somehow i don't remember but um i guess uh junkin video had bought it up and they uh they there was a copyright so that shut his account down and now he got a bill for the, the video was up for you know whatever 12 hours or something and uh, it's a couple hundred dollar bill to get the the uh, copyright off of it so oh my gosh for wow. using their video so <laughs> so that's kind of how i so i am pretty cautious now about I get lots of people send me stuff and I I know there's some great videos out there I'd love to share but I'm not sure who owns them yeah and uh you know you just have to be really cautious now
3: yeah that's just that that's crazy that you have to be cautious like that
4: Well, and I always, you probably see my page. I always try to give credit to whoever I think it is. But sometimes people send me videos that aren't theirs. And I didn't, I don't really get that that's not theirs. So I'll post it and then only to find out that, oh, maybe they didn't, they didn't own that specifically. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, we just, those of us that run pages like this, I just try to post cool stuff that people enjoy and want to share with other folks. So it's not but you got to be cautious on the copyright stuff. Yeah,
3: that that's what's great about your Instagram is is you know, you do give credit uh you know when you can obviously. Uh, and you put the effort into it as well, which is so important cuz I know that we've conversed over Instagram direct message about, you know, different accounts that are fake and people trying to act like they're pilots and you know trying to get uh, yep. you know, switching yep. accounts with, you know, the same person and and it's just crazy. But you yep. do put a really uh, big effort into that. And, and I'm sure that's one of the things all of us ab geeks really appreciate about it, about your page.
4: Well, and I realize, too, on the on the other guys, the guys that are going out and getting pictures of uh, Star Wars Canyon or, mm-hmm. or you know, the mock Loop or wherever it is that they're getting these pictures, I realize that they put a ton of effort into getting that shot. I mean, mm-hmm. it's time and energy and equipment and everything's got to line up right the lighting's got to be right everything's got to work great to get these great shots and i i want to give them credit so that people Mm -hmm. realize hey this guy this is the guy that got that shot and for me to just grab their video or picture and post it and not give any credit is uh you know it's it's almost criminal because you know the work that they that went into getting that picture or that shot and uh So that's, that's that's the way I, I've tried to run it, you know? Yeah.
3: It's great that you do appreciate the effort because, you know, as a photographer myself and, you know, Ryan and Tony, and I, you know, we, we've, we've done, you know, a little bit of traveling here and there and, you know, to capture things and, and uh, it's, you know, it's good to be recognized. That's, that's for sure. And and it's much appreciated. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely.
4: Well, Uh, and I I would just piggyback on that to say and really I'm grateful for this on my page is that people send me awesome stuff I mean they're the mm-hmm. stuff I'm posting is stuff that's been sent to my account um, and people are willing to share it and it's turned into a great win-win situation I get great content
0: mm-hmm. and
4: I'm able to share it and then they get they get some uh, recognition for that and uh, it's uh, it, it if they didn't send that stuff in, I wouldn't have any of the stuff that I have. So it's, I'm very, I'm very grateful um, for that. And when we're done here, I'm about to post something really cool. So <laughs> Ooh, uh, keep an all eye right. out. You, yeah. Yeah. You, it It's going to be, it it's, it's got the wow factor. So oh. uh, when I see some of these, I'm like, Oh yeah, that one's got it. So great. And we're... sent direct directly by the owner. So, Oh, that's cool. Awesome. We're, and
3: we look forward
4: you know and on a, on a flip side of that I, I just one last thing on here I was just this is on my mind is that sometimes I have stuff sent to me that I'm like I tell people uh, you know I had a captain in a major airline send me some footage I'm like you don't want me to post that um, that's <laughs>
0: yeah
4: you're taking a picture at a place you know in a uh, critical phase of flight that you, you know so <laughs> and I know people so I I, 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 I tell people a lot Uh, no, I, I'm not, I'm not going to (laughs) put, so I don't want people to do stupid stuff. You know, I guess that's the whole point of that. And, uh, um, I mean, I just had a, I just had a young, uh, army troop send me some some really cool footage. I didn't see anything wrong with it. It was just, uh, uh, you might've seen it. It was a a hind helicopter flying right over their MRAD or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, He got in trouble for that. And he sent me a message. I feel really bad. I'm like, I honestly, I didn't see anything wrong with it. I didn't, I didn't mention the country it was in, you know, I try to keep that stuff. But, yeah, you know, when I post it, then people see it and it doesn't take long to get back. So unfortunately, yeah i guess i need to be a little bit more cautious and not i don't want guys to get in trouble for that stuff you know so <laughs> yeah I guess, I guess his command his, his commanding officer did not appreciate that he sent me that video
3: oh no
1: well at least yeah. you know you're being followed so, by his commander though
3: <laughs>
4: yeah somebody's yeah somebody, and I, I tell people that i'm like i'm pretty sure the fa follows my account too so yeah. you don't want me to post any of this stuff yeah. so, that you is know? true so,
0: that
3: is well, true. Um, well, anyway. we, yeah, I mean, you know, there's been a couple of photos of ours that, that you've posted on your page, and we appreciate that. It's it's given us some some exposure and more followers, and and it was just cool to be a part yeah. of you know your community, the combat jet community. You know, we we uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're making it <laughs> when you know we knew we were making it when that <laughs> happened. That's right. Oh,
4: well, that's, <laughs> you, guys, you guys, you too nice. It's funny. <laughs> No, I, I honestly, I am the just the most average guy behind this page. I, I love it. It's just, <laughs> you would walk by me a thousand times, have no idea. So I love the fact that it, I'm anonymous and I like keeping it that way. And it's yeah. just, I don't, you know, for whatever reason, the, the page just uh, took off and people people like like the content on it. So I'm grateful for that.
2: Great
3: all right that's awesome any uh, any other
1: questions yeah
3: yeah i mean is there something steve we didn't cover something that we should have asked you something that you want to add
4: no i i again i honestly i appreciate this i i truly am honored that that uh you guys want to even hear some of the stories, so I, I guess as I get to be a really old guy, this is going to be an awesome platform. I can just tell my old stories over and over again. So, but uh, we love the hair. I, <laughs> I appreciate it, and uh, I appreciate you guys having me on for sure. And uh, it's uh, you guys are great, and uh, it's it's been great working with you and behind the scenes stuff on DM and all that, and just talking mm-hmm. to you. So I I appreciate that, and I. I would say that that's one thing I really love about Instagram is I've had a chance to really get to know a handful of great people Mm -hmm. on there that I would never got the chance to meet Mm -hmm. or, you know, even engage with in the
3: past. So. Well, that's great. It's, it's our honor. Yeah, definitely. Definitely
1: our honor. And thank you again for, for taking time to sit down with us now, as we, as we wrap things up with you, we customarily will ask, "Hey, where can people find you on Instagram?" Um, <laughs> duh. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people know yeah. That already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. if if for some reason you stumbled on this podcast, you happen to like airplanes, you happen to like aviation, you're not really much of a junkie, or you don't spend a lot of time on Instagram or if you've just completely been under a rock. Um <laughs> not Iraq, uh rock. Oh, ro- anyway. Oh, right. Um so, Steve uh, yeah, just just give us your give us your Instagram again just so everybody knows. It's not like we haven't said it a million times already, but Yeah, yeah right no,
4: it's it it's at combat underscore learjet. So and I have, I, now I started Facebook, uh, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago. So mm-hmm. I have a Facebook page out there now. And, and then I got, I don't know, I went back to Twitter again and I've got a couple thousand on there now. So, yeah. uh, but uh, I, I'm not as loyal to Twitter. I'm like, Oh, I probably should post something on that. But yeah, yeah that it's nice because you can post Facebook and Instagram together. And that's what I do. I just
0: mm-hmm.
4: slide the bar over and let it post on both. But
0: mm-hmm.
4: uh, yeah, that's it. So, and then, um, I, I don't have much I, beyond I, that. Which I, I, I gotta
3: mention your website because people probably want a combat learjet t-shirt or a hat or a patch or something. So that's just combatlearjet.com, yeah, yeah. right?
4: That's it. Yep. Yeah, I, thankfully, I got that. I was able to. um, My son actually helped me get that and secured that. So I'm like, hey, we probably he was smart enough to early on to go. You may want this, want this someday. It sure enough. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but yeah, there's some cool, there's some cool swag on there. And then, uh, I recently partnered up with uh, Blackbird uh, Flightwear, which they have those. I don't know if you've seen their their shirts on. There. They've been around for like 50 years. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was re- really excited to get together with them and and uh, their flight. I, I had one of their shirts when I was uh, in college. So uh, oh, that's cool. So there's some cool. There's some cool. Old school, what I call retro, cool aviation type shirts in there. So there you uh, go.
3: that's cool.
4: But uh, yeah, but yeah, thanks for the shout out on that. That's oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I I uh, love it. And if I don't have an airline job here in a few months, that's going to be the way I pay my bills was through my <laughs> website. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll see see what happens. So yeah, yeah.
1: So, well, we'll keep our fingers crossed that uh, you're not going to yeah. have to resort to that. So.
4: Yeah, me too. That'd be great. I hope none of us have to do yeah. that. Yeah, so.
1: We hope you and uh, uh, your employer and all the other airlines uh, can can hang tough through this, and uh, hopefully, we can back to be back where we were, uh, you know, sooner rather than later. So, yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, all right. that uh, that about wraps up another edition of the Ramp Check Podcast. Want to say thanks once again to Combat Learjet for for being a part of the podcast with us today. And uh, Aaron, you know the drill. Yeah, I just one thing, one last thing I want to say to Steve
3: is I'm looking forward for all of us to sit down crack open some beers and, uh, you know, finally meet in person because I know we've discussed that, but uh, with everything going on, there's not a whole lot of traveling going on so yes. one of these days when yep. you're passing through salt lake city or you know i mean i guess we could be in colorado we do have a sibling that lives in pueblo west so uh you never know but yeah. uh, uh yeah. you know i just want to extend that invitation and 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 really you know get that out there and get that done <laughs> i
4: appreciate it and i i agree i will uh next time i come through there i'll definitely uh, look you guys up and we'll uh we'll try to get together
1: yeah, that'll be great. We're, we're also known to spend a little bit of time in Vegas. So if you have <laughs> yeah. an extended layover uh-huh. in Vegas too, let there us you know. Go. That's right.
4: I do go through there quite a bit. So yeah, so maybe we can work it out there too. That'd be oh, awesome. great.
3: So. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. yeah, so um, as, as far as me, Aaron, you can follow me on Instagram at AaronRumFollow uh, or Twitter. Um, Instagram is kind of my main social media uh, avenue but uh and then of course anything aviation all my aviation photography you know ramp swag ramp whatever aviation it's at ramp check global and uh what about you ryan
2: uh you can follow little brother ryan here at rum follow <laughs> me and i uh, just want to remind everyone don't forget to check out our aviation news page which is RampCheckReport.com. update that daily with new uh uh, aviation and Aerospace News, so give it a check out.
3: There you
1: go. Awesome, and uh, I am, uh, I can be found at at Follow. Uh, and uh, that's my personal Instagram, Twitter I'm on Facebook, but my Facebook page kind of sucks, so just go ahead and uh, keep the follow on at Global. Uh, don't forget as well, after you've uh, bought some cool swag from the Combat Jeer, uh Combat, Jeer, Combat Learjet website you can go to our website as well RamCheckGlobal.com and uh, get your own hashtag RCGRamp swag uh, as well Um, Make sure that uh, you are listening to the podcast. You can listen to it on any platform now, almost. I mean, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, uh, recently available on Pandora, and I believe uh, we are now also available on the TuneIn podcast uh radio app which uh basically if you are an amazon prime subscriber or you get your content through amazon i'm not gonna say her name so she she, see hey alexa (laughs) (laughs) oh she just lit up anyway um but uh you should be able to listen to the ramp check podcast as well by asking alexa to find it for you um oh and now siri's trying to talk to me as well i know apple watch Uh, Is that your cousin? Yeah. (laughs) She didn't answer. Uh, But uh, anyway, thanks again for listening to the Ram Check Podcast. Don't forget to tune in, uh, subscribe, leave a rating where you can, and, uh, of course, uh, share the podcast with everybody else. And uh, that's about it. So I believe it's uh, Little Brother's turn for the send-off. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Good
0: day.